0: hi it's tuesday the 6th of september i'm oliver brown and this is a session of two Fugs in coffee um it's good to be back talking with stephen bannister um about all things coffee and bring you up to speed with the volatility
1: we've seen seen since we last spoke stephen welcome hi ollie how's it going everybody um we've gone on a little bit of a hibernation mode in winter <laughs> Yeah, Absolutely. in Australia here, and we're emerging with um, hopefully some great new content for for springtime or for autumn time if you are in the northern hemisphere.
0: Thank you, Stephen. Um, yeah, it's it's been a, it's been an interesting winter, and and we'd certainly expect things to uh, what with the, the the Brazil crop coming online. we we'd expect things to be I don't know coming sort of back into some normalcy. Traditionally, this time of year, we've been expecting the Brazil crop to be coming out. We'd expect the market to be to be perhaps lower than we've seen it in the past. But uh, it's, uh, funnily enough, not doing that, is it? <laughs> we're, <laughs> we're, we're seeing a lot of volatility at the moment. Give us a, give us a bit of an insight into that volatility, Stephen.
1: Yeah, uh, I think it, it's been a very interesting market while we sort of saw normality start to play in through into middle of July, then we've, we've definitely seen a change in momentum from mid-July to, through to August and some rather extreme volatility at the end of August, which has pushed us um, above 240 cents a pound. Uh, luckily, last week, we've come off a little bit since then. So I think uh, market just coming out of the US bank holiday on Monday. Uh, mm. is looking at about 232, 220 to28. Uh, so it's it's definitely a big challenge and there's there's constant talk about not enough coffee or too much mm. coffee and everyone's warehouses are seeming a lot more empty than they've ever been before in Brazil after what is still um, a strong harvest so, That's really, I think, playing the volatility. It's the old adage of sort of buying the rumour, the rumour that is there enough coffee Mm. in the system Mm. uh, and really waiting to see is that coming through. I think the other challenge that we've seen is, again, farmers expecting higher prices. So differentials have remained quite strong Mm, over the last month. Um, and looking into a lot of strength for the Central American harvest coming up uh, in a quarter or so but it's interesting as
0: well though isn't it because we've seen you know whilst we're coming into the Central America harvest a lot of those harvests a lot of those countries are already starting to sell out of of their availability you know we've had a huge amount of interest in in Honduras in Costa Rica in Guatemala Um you know, and that says a lot for this time of
1: year. I, I think people are still worried about the supply chain. So they want to make sure that they've they've covered their coffee as much as possible. Um, we're still seeing lots of challenges or constraints with equipment at, at different origins and getting shipments sent on time. Uh, so there is a lingering challenge that that exists in the market especially for traders like us where we're moving coffee from A to B for our important clients so I think people are planning Um, what we're also seeing is a challenging certified space as Mm. premiums and certifications like Rainforest Alliance have completed their merger with UTS now there's a, a, a newer framework out there people are recertifying their farms in harvest time, going through that challenge, which is very challenging when you're also uh, just harvesting your coffee in general and then having Mm -hmm. to cross your T's and dot your I's and get all that Mm -hmm. right as well. Uh, For those that are modifying from an UTS to an RFA, I think it's been a challenging environment. We've seen the premiums that RFA has traded above commercial coffees increase. Uh, maybe double, maybe triple in some instances. Yeah, wow. And, and that's been, a, I think, a challenge. And it's hard for roasters also that are used to, say, paying a standard premium above that and building that premium into their price, now having to potentially absorb a, a larger premium for the certified coffees that are in the market today.
0: Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's going to be interesting. And, you know, also... I understand there's more challenges for the producers or, or, or more barriers of entry for the RFA or the changes have made it harder for them to necessarily stick with that as a certification. Are, are we likely to see less producers um, going forward or do we do we feel that uh, UD's RFA are, are listening to those producers and are allowing them wiggle room yeah, to allow
1: I, to keep the supply going? I think... The telling point will be this harvest through Central America and how uh, Rainforest Alliance listens to people and how they continue to work with farms that are migrating through the um, certifications, i.e. from UTS to RFA. I think we have seen a little bit of a reduction, though, maybe 25%. I've heard figures Mm -hmm. as high as 50% in some countries, Mm -hmm. although I'd probably hope that that is not the case because <laughs> that, that would yeah be quite scary for um, those core brands that use Rainforest Alliance certified products. Um, yeah. I, I think it's again a lot of it to do with communication and I think the biggest advice we can do is just make sure that you're asking the right people or you're contacting the certifiers or RFA itself to make sure that you're clear about what needs to be done. I think there is a bit of ambiguity in how things are communicated down to the farm level of all, mm-hmm. the, all the pieces, all the information's on the website, it's all there. But sometimes it's just hard to navigate to exactly where to go. Um, and in that case, I would always sort of, yeah, encourage people to ask the question.
0: Mm. And again, as always, make sure, you know, Everyone's full planning and thinking about, you know, that six months at least ahead, so so that they can, you know, get in early enough to make sure they've they've got supplies lined up. Yeah,
1: there's definitely no prompt shipment market at the moment, mm-hmm. and even if you you can find someone that offers prompt, it's likely that there's no equipment or there's no booking space availability to mm-hmm. get in the next six weeks anyway. Mm-hmm. So I, I would be definitely thinking that six-month trench ahead, be thinking about when do I need my centrals to be landing for almost Q2 now, so that's beyond yeah. six months ahead. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and just thinking about that mix now because mm-hmm. as we continue to see that the potential of the market to trickle off again, um, which it has through the last week's momentum. Uh, we've got a little bit of a way to fall before we hit some resistance levels. Mm-hmm. But I think, mm-hmm. again, if the market starts to trade down to 210 um, or below, we've only seen that sort of dipping there for, for short amounts of time between, since March, really. And I think that that's the strategic buy level for a lot of people. But we, you need to be prepared to to hit yeah, it quite quickly, bit. or or to have uh, working arrangements with with who you work with.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one hundred percent. I think you know we we've seen it ourselves. If uh, you know when when we get those dips, if the decision's not made within within 12, 24 hours max, you know you miss the opportunity, and it rockets back up um yeah that that's a you know critical one for sure um so uh, yeah yeah interesting give us give us a bit more insight into where we see um you know the market going this week you you talked about the resistance, you know there are lots of indicators that that would perhaps suggest however that it's not necessarily we're not necessarily going to sort of see it come down to the the 210 we've we've got, for example, um, uh, quite dry weather in Brazil. We're still seeing challenges of shipping. Uh, we've still got very low levels uh, of certified stock in in the certified warehouses. what you know what other indices would sort of suggest actually we are expecting it to come down you know is it is it macro factors um, sort of global macro factors? you know yeah, give gives us a bit of insight there too.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I think if we sort of look at the market from a forward point of view, it's looking, again, a lot at weather and rains and the next lot of flowerings. If we look at Brazil, I think we're potentially looking at showers going through Brazil late September, which could trigger flowering and and the start of the next crop. Uh, We want to make sure that those rains are substantial to get good Mm. flowers and potential good fruit set. So we're sort of at that little bit of uh, a wait-and-see stage through September for how do we see the next crop coming. And and I think that's what the the futures market is really thinking about now. We're still seeing probably above-average rains in Colombia, which I think is continuing to be a challenging procurement environment for them. Uh, So we are seeing still very firm diffs around plus 80 uh, for Columbia there. Uh, and again, I think there's a, a matter, a large amount of rain still forecast in Central America as well, where they're probably ticking slightly above uh, average mm. as well. So as long as that's in the system and continuing to feed those trees, and I think it's not a bad thing, um, yeah, but yeah. it just depends I guess how we go through October and Potentially starting harvest in November, December for the majority of those countries. Yeah, as and well. I think,
0: I think in the past normally you'd see, you know, in September it would be sort of mid to end of September anyway when those Brazilian rains comes. You know, I know, I know there's you know, like there's almost this palatable, palatable sense of like, oh, you know, the rains going to come, but they <laughs> usually do. You know, like there's there's yeah. nothing to suggest they're not going to in in Brazil, is there? I mean. <laughs>
1: Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. And then then I think you've got the dark art side of coffee at the moment, which is Mm. the certified coffees and what's being delivered Mm. to the exchanges and the continued current inverted market. Uh, We've seen the inversion between December, the current future month, and March now reach beyond six cents. That I've never seen i um, not sure many people in coffee mm. these days have seen an inverted market that hard or we've all seen it now. So I that's think, also yeah. something that has got me completely worried but also slightly baffled that if we've got coffee in the system, if we've got a potential challenging future environment in terms of increasing interest rates and increasing sort of CPI index costs for base products of coffee which may put a slight and only slight dampener on consumption which means we should be weighing a little bit better to supply demand equilibrium Mm. but I think at the moment it all continues to point to we still don't have enough coffee in the system the demand Mm. is outstripping the supply.
0: I, I think that not enough coffee in the system you know, explain a bit more for those listening, like why the backwardization, why the, the, you know, how that's impacting the switches and why, therefore, you know, people don't want to carry stock because it's actually costing them to carry stock and, and you know, people being exporters as much as yeah, importers. There's, there's this fear like if I'm too, like if I got too much coffee, oh, it's going to cost me loads to store that. Explain a bit about that so that, that, that those listening can sort of really appreciate what this means.
1: Yeah, it's, it's almost looking at the history of what is a futures market and a futures market enables someone to buy a coffee today and sell it later and be able to hopefully have less volatility with their exposure because they have a hedged business and they've got a market to buy or sell at any point in time if they need to do that. What we're seeing now is generally trade houses or or large coffee businesses would buy coffee, they would hold it, they would roll switches to cover them and when they sell coffee or they can turn it into a consumer good and sell it, then they would probably unwind those switches to balance out. What we're seeing now is that we're not only getting the costs of carrying the coffee, our warehousing costs, insurance costs, and finance costs, but we're not getting any income from the exchange itself by rolling switches. We're actually paying the exchange because Mm -hmm. of the inverted market. Mm -hmm. So there's definitely a big change in the way that roasters, not roasters, but roasters as well, and people like ourselves hold stock or look at Mm. stock and there's also and we're seeing it people are holding less stock so there's less spot availability in the market which works for some people because they build supply chains and they want to make sure that they're buying the same coffee all the time but for those that are constantly just accessing the spot market and expecting coffee to be there I, th- I think it's been a challenging twelve months, and it will be another challenging twelve months ahead of us. Mm. And the biggest area that we can see that in for our market at the moment is also decaf coffee, because mm, we're having absolutely. to plan twelve months ahead to source decaf coffee at the moment. Um, yeah. It's uh, it's very challenging. Yeah. 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 Wow. It's uh, <laughs>
0: we've got COVID behind us, but we're still seeing uh, uh, an incredibly dynamic market. That's for sure. Um, you, you you mentioned as well, this, this whole thing of logistics, uh, you know, the big shippers are not making life easy for us, are they? You know, if anything, we're seeing less supply and, and it was, you know, again, you know, the, 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 the we're not seeing containers, we're not getting slots, you know, it's it's all very very dynamic in in the the shipping space as well
1: yeah i think i mean it's nothing new but it's not being fixed but if we're making money do we need to fix the problem um from the shipping line point of view (laughs) so we are still seeing challenges we're seeing at the moment we're in almost not quite the golden week period but the time when ocean freight goes crazy because everything is shipping for the Thanksgiving and Christmas holidays now as well. So shipping is at peak time right now for supply chains and supply chain management, which is putting a fair amount of stress on the system already Um, again. And we're seeing challenges in transshipment ports or whatever, some delays out of Singapore Uh, China, we never know if there's going to be another snap lockdown of cities or port cities or anything which could impact something. Uh, We're seeing very challenging times uh, from ocean freight into the US as well. Um, Mm. Even some people I've heard resorted to trucking containers, um, which is just crazy. (laughs) Uh, But... You know, you, you, can drive, you can drive it up through Central America or Mexico, but I, I wouldn't want to do it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there's all sorts of challenges there. And I, I think it's, again, just that adage that we've commented a long time, which is plan ahead, plan ahead, plan ahead as far yeah. as we can, because that's the only way we can streamline and try and smooth the challenges out.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of challenges, obviously, we've got, you know, China, possible lockdown. You never know whether it's going to go into lockdown one one week to the next. We've got, you know, Europe having been cut off by the Russians from from the big European pipelines, Um, you know, Yeah, I'm not (laughs) sure how you (laughs) shut down a uh, a
1: gas pipeline because of an oil leak, but I'm going to leave that one.
0: Yeah, exactly, absolutely. But but my point is, these are having massive impacts on the USD, and and Mm. that's therefore having a a massive impact on uh, the Aussie FX, and and um, you know. What that's looking like now—it's it, at a sort of, you know, well, not an all-time low, but it, it's certainly trading um pretty southwards at the moment. Um, give us an idea of, you know, what what we should be expecting over the next couple of months for 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 FX
1: at the moment. I, I would love to say it's it's going to go up, but I think in all reality we have to look at the current trend, and the current trend is a stronger U.S. dollar or a stronger Mm -hmm. dollar index as people move to the dollar as a safe haven, whether it's challenges in Europe or inflation in Europe. Uh, We're also seeing potentially interest rate hikes and other things. So interest is getting a little bit more attractive on the the U.S. dollar as well. Uh, We're expecting potentially to increase interest rates here in Australia, which may give us a little bit of a pop. Uh, but mostly everything is already priced in if we're going to have an increase of 50 basis points uh, yeah, yeah. in September or not. So I think those targeting or waiting on $0.72 cents between now and Christmas, it's not unachievable, but the last time we moved from where we are today to somewhere like $0.72 and a half cents, that took a month to move that mm. long, long mm. so it's not going to move in a day mm. um, the last rally from the recent low to high was sort of probably a month and a half and we're sort of on this downwards trajectory again so I think people need to be realistic I, I would like And I hope that 70 points, 70 cents trades again. I think 70 cents is fair value for our economy. Yeah. Um, But we're going to have volatility and volatility is still looking a bit more on the downside. If Europe continues to be a a rocky environment. Um, Also, because of COVID, COVID has been quite negative in summer and more harsh in winter and europe's going into that winter period now Absolutely. and a challenging gas environment so potentially the bets are the dollar can the us dollar continuing to be a stronger bet and i think it will remain strong for the near term
0: and, and you know like if if worst case scenario happens and and you know europe's been talking about getting into recession china's you know, blowing up all, you know an awful lot of buildings for a for a country that's doing okay. If we do go into recession, um, what does that mean traditionally um, for for the for the commodity markets? You know, you've talked about you know everyone going into the into the safe havens. Does that does that you know is that likely to impact the the price of coffee too, sort of longer term at least?
1: There's two schools of thought on that, and I think it all depends on demand. I think we'll see a substitution in coffee down to more Robusta usage so we could see more pressure on the Robusta market and less pressure on the Arabica market. That hasn't been the case for a long time where Robusta sort of followed where Arabica goes um, and the arbitrage between those continued to increase quite dramatically versus a couple of years ago. I think the the challenge of sort of recession or anything else is who's got the better recession. So even yeah. if America is in recession, they're still the best of a bad bunch yeah. at the moment. And I think that's sort of the way to think of it. No one's immune to what's happening, uh, but it's yeah. going to be yeah challenging for all. I think yeah. it also means that we'll see potential blend substitution by people to make to continue to retain shelf pricing for consumers or we'll see a change in consumer habits potentially, whether it's skipping breakfast and just having coffee. But we've also got to think that thanks to the pandemic, the ability to create coffee at home has never been bigger than it is today as well. (laughs) And that's actually a good thing for coffee because it's generally inefficient. Uh, where people use much bigger baskets of coffee per cup than retail or single serve.
0: Yeah, yeah, very good point. Bring that coffee home. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's it. <laughs> um, Stephen, we're at we're at twenty six minutes, um, and I think we've 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 covered a lot. Is there anything else you sort of feel we need to talk about um, in today's session?
1: I think that's a good recap of where we are. I look forward to sort of trying to create a, a daily summary uh, with you and the rest of the team for for our listeners going forward through the rest of the year. Now, as we uh, track on into summer, and um, yeah, just encourage everybody to to reach out um, because this this structure is for them. It's for you.
0: Mm, absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you very much, Stephen. Really appreciate you joining me. And uh, for all of those listening, thanks for, for continuing to do so. And um, we'll keep you posted.
1: Okay. Thanks, Oli. Take care,
0: everyone. Thank you. All right. Take care, everyone. Bye.